1: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast
2: with Dave, Honky, Boomer, and Redcast Rob. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky.
3: After watching Husker basketball and football this season, I really need to find a new hobby.
2: (laughs) That's the truth, man. It is painful. Also with Boomer.
1: I'm just glad we were able to reach into the transfer portal and find a guy like Honky to bring him onto the team this year. So we're really looking forward to what he can contribute. I decommit. <laughs> He's
0: back in the portal. Right. Also with Redcast Rob. If you're going to pass the ball, you must whipple. Is he going <laughs> to run it all? You must whipple. <laughs>
2: uh, all right. Good job there, Rob. Uh, I thought you're uh, going to reference uh, uh, maybe Steph Curry and uh, how uh, Nebraska can't hit a three-point shot, but I'm glad you uh, avoided uh, mocking Nebraska basketball's vain attempt to try to play the NBA, NBA style of, of basketball. Well, unlike uh,
0: Nebraska ball, I uh, showed up tonight. So, <laughs>
2: ouch, yeah. ouch.
3: I'd like ouch. us to play CBA style of ball. Yeah, I'd say for
2: YMCA basketball. <laughs> I'd like to play <laughs> AAU
0: style. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we saw last night. I took ABA with the red and white and blue ball, that'd be pretty mm-hmm. cool. That'd be all right, you know. Little, uh, you know, some some Flint Tropics action of some sort, right? You know, be right. Unky, <laughs> well, I, I will say, say Alex, I did watch the women's. Alex
0: plays better basketball than than those the college kids do. I, I've seen Alex play. <laughs> yep, I've seen yeah. him make shots. So, and yeah. I will
1: say, I did watch the Husker women play against uh, Minnesota. That was they play a much better game of ball. So, oh my yeah, gosh, yeah, not even a comparison. Yeah, they need they, to be ranked. That's criminal. It's a crime. The they're not. I have no idea how they can't be at this point. I mean, just stat-wise alone, undefeated. They they look good. Yeah, it's a crime there and I think the,
2: their net ranking is like fourth, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, something
1: ridiculously high. Yeah, it was
2: going into the last game at least. And I don't have any reason to think it would have gone down. So right, yeah. right. All right. Well, uh, maybe we'll start uh, talking about women's basketball and uh, also women's volleyball. Who's in the Sweet Sixteen? This. Uh, weekend and has a chance to uh, redeem themselves versus Texas. That'd be a nice storyline to, to talk about on a future show. Um, but um, the big news of the week is uh, the coaching hires in the football program. And we now have a new offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple, um, formerly of the Pittsburgh Panthers. Also, I have Donovan Raiola, a uh, brother of Dominic Riola and uh, coming from the Chicago Bears, where he's an assistant offensive line coach. And then uh, last week, we uh, got Mickey Joseph, former Husker, and uh, most recently uh, down at LSU as their wide receivers coach. And he'll be uh, doing that as well as kind of passing game coordinator and associate head coach, which is kind of like an acquirer recruiting coordinator of, of sorts, I guess. Honky, uh, let's start with you and, uh, you know, maybe your your first uh, thoughts on these guys as we maybe we'll take a deeper dive into each one of them. Yeah, it, it starts with Mickey Joseph. I love
3: seeing a former Husker that has accomplished what he has, uh, been part of a national championship d- down there at LSU, great recruiter down the Bayou area. I love to see him back. The run pass ratio guy in me is scared to death a little bit with the We brought in a pass game coordinator, wide receivers coach. We have a a passing offensive coordinator. We still have a tight ends coach. We don't have a running backs coach. I don't know if we're ever going to run the ball again, and that does scare (laughs) me. But uh, I I think that what we wanted to see with the OC, with, with Whipple, was we wanted to see someone come in here that was experienced at the position, who has done it. Um, I've said this a number of times. I want a gray hair or two on my OC right now. I don't want a guy that's green. I don't want someone who's 32 years old coming in trying How about to...
2: thousands of white hairs. Would that be thousands different? of
3: white hairs? We've well, got
2: maybe hundreds having seen
1: him. Yeah. I don't know if the, thousands might have, you know left the gate a long time ago.
3: <laughs> but what I wanted to see out of the OC is somebody that's going to be able to come in here and handle the offense, take that off the plate of Frost, especially on Saturdays of game days. Uh, we'll get into this, I think, as we talk about offseason stuff here. Frost is still going to be heavily involved with things. In fact, I hope he is because there's. I don't want to just leave the offense up to uh, becoming a pass-happy uh, mess either. But I think what we'll see with Frost and Whipple working together and kind of melding the offense that Frost had with what Whipple does, I think that we can do something that uh, can be successful in, uh, in the Big Ten here. And then Donovan Rayola. He's from Wisconsin. Yeah, started thirty nine out of like forty three games there. I mean, the dude's obviously Dominic's brother, and and we're going to be going after his nephew at some point here at quarterback. And so that's a uh, uh, that's not the reason you hire him, but it's a nice little I guess cherry on top if we could ever get get his uh, his nephew to come here too. So, anyways, I'm ecstatic with the three that we have. I really am. I think Frost got the guys that he wanted to get. He sounded like he interviewed a bunch of really good dudes and. We're going to pay some good money, I think,
2: and we've got a good staff here. Sure. Well, um, we'll, we'll, we'll find out, won't we, Boomer? Um, I think the reaction to Mark Whipple um, is, I mean, I would say probably a little bit more positive than negative, but there's definitely some questions here. Uh, it seems like it came down to Mark Whipple and Graham Harrell, uh, the um, former offensive coordinator for USC, and uh, both, I mean, were known as as passing, you know, offensive minds uh guys that are going to be kind of uh QB coaches and you know if you look at at Whipple's resume uh he has been a head coach at a couple of different locations mainly UMass um and uh, also at Brown where he actually played at Brown with Ron Brown uh, that's kind of maybe one of the connections that kind of brought, a, brought him here
1: yeah, it's a nice symmetry with all that, you know, Brown with Brown. So that's a lot, a lot of Brown nicely. going on. Yeah. They work nicely. Yeah. And, and it is interesting. Uh, just Whipple as a hire, when you talk about, you know, Whipple and Graham Harrell, they are thought of as pass heavy OCs. I mean, uh, Graham Harrell runs kind of that air raid offense out of USC. And, uh, you know, I was doing a little reading on Mark Whipple and one of the, you know, uh, pit coach Pat Narduzzi had a comment about how he was a great asset for him. And he did a tremendous job transitioning us from a heavy run attack to one of the best passing games in the entire country. So, you know, as far as Whipple goes, I'm going to be really fascinated to see kind of what, what the plan is with this is, is for us going to kind of turn the keys to the offense over to him? And when you hire somebody like uh, Whipple is with that kind of experience, are you letting him kind of do this? And then when you got Mickey Joseph, a big wide receiver recruiter, is that kind of the plan going really past heavy with the offense? Are you going to try to temper in a lot more running with it? I I don't know. And that's going to be kind of one of the interesting stories of this whole transition is what do they plan to do with the offense? And I guess we'll find out. So that's, that's what I'm interested
2: in seeing when it comes to what, what what we're expecting Whipple to do here. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, it's, it's like, if you are going to pepper in a power run game, um, where is that coming from in the coaching staff? Um, this is coming from Scott Frost. Uh, we don't have the running backs coach, um, and we may not. We don't know yet. So, you know, Rob, um, what are your thoughts? I know you've been doing some research and trying to find out as much about Mark Whipple as possible. Um, you know, his run-pass run ratio isn't isn't bad. It's somewhere close to 50%, um, but, you know, definitely um, his calling card right now is, is Kenny Pickett. He is a Heisman Trophy finalist he'll be in new york city this saturday and you know uh whipple might be um you know hitting the recruiting trail with that in his back pocket
0: well i will give him this you know he coached ben roethlisberger his first two uh two or three seasons in the nfl uh Coached him to the rookie of the year also coached him to a couple mm-hmm. super bowl wins i believe in in that period um you know, and then he's over there at Pitt and, you know, his quarterback throws for 42 touchdowns. He throws for over 4,000 yards, over 4,300 yards, um, you know, and, you know, he's got one receiver alone who caught 17 passes this year, touchdown passes this year. So, I mean, it's obvious where the intentions are with this. Um, it'll be really interesting. I, I, I was thinking about coming out for the spring game again. And after this hire, I am absolutely coming out for the spring game again, because I want to see what this offense is going to do in person. Um, You know, and not only that, but I miss honky. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, it's, you know, so it's really obvious. I think you you look at everything on paper and it's really obvious what the intentions are here. And especially with an offensive line coach, um, you know, coming from the bears where they're right there trying to, you know, develop a guy like Justin Fields behind an offensive line, which is middle of the road in the NFL, but you know, in the NFL middle of the road, isn't bad, especially when they started out kind of at the lower end of the uh, spectrum uh, at the beginning of the season. And now they're right. I think they're right around like the 18th, ranked 18th offensive line, but also kind of one of the more underrated offensive lines in the NFL at this point as well. So um, the direction I, I personally, I like the direction. Um, I don't care about all the outside chatter, things like that. I like the direction because you know what, they made a decision and they made decisions that make their intentions obvious.
2: So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's an interesting way to, to say it, Rob. I mean, I, I think some people may feel, that the intentions aren't quite that obvious, maybe uh, because they're just optimistic that they still think that if Frost learned anything over these last four years, you have to run the damn ball to win the Big Ten West. I mean, you just go down game by game and you see, you know, whoever ends up rushing for more yards tends to win the game. Um, so, Honky, I mean, you're one of those who run the damn ball guys. So, I guess in your mind, you know, how would Frost? And, and this kind of like new mind, mind trust, brain trust of mm-hmm. Whipple and, and Joseph uh, take uh, some of these passing concepts and, and maximize that output, but then actually somehow establish, uh, you know, a power run game out of it.
3: Look, I, I think one of the things I haven't had enough time yet to look at Whipple from an X's and O's standpoint over the course of a career. I'm trying to find some of his older video because right. it's not just about everyone wants to focus on this season and what he's done with Pickett. People got to look at Pickett's career stats and realize that this is a four-year starter that played very different in his senior year, and that's a credit. He for five years. Yeah, that's an absolute credit, by the way, to Whipple. I mean, yeah. developing a guy, but it took year four or five in this case for this player to play the way that he did this season. His other years, those stats didn't look that much different from quarterbacks that we've had. And right now, everyone's kind of saying, we're not giving a guy three years to get this figured out, right? This is kind of a, an immediate, this better work right away. What I'd like to see here, and I think some of this kind of, you almost have to talk about what is Frost's role in the offense right now. And I, I think he's, it's incredibly important what he's going to do in the next three months, four months between now and spring. You're talking about merging offenses together. You're taking what the best of what we've done, and you're bringing this new guy in with new concepts. You're bringing Mickey Joseph into it. You're bringing you're bringing concepts together, and you're trying to meld some things together. What what worked in Pitt in the ACC isn't necessarily and doing it exactly like that with the personnel that they had and the fourth year quarterback and all that. That may not be the thing that's going to work here. So Frost has a very important role in getting. Whatever that scheme together is, making sure that it works and does something that he thinks can be successful in the Big Ten. Also, getting terminology together. Let's make this as easy as we possibly can. That's one role that Frost has. Another role is, I think, during the season he's going to be very involved during the week in game planning. But it's it's all with the idea that once you get to Saturday, you got to get hands off. You got to let the guy that you hired here let him do his job. One thing I thought was interesting was when we were talking about, or when there was talk about Graham Harrell. I read up a little bit on him and it was about the air raid and he talked about with the air raid, because it's not so much X's and O's. It's more of a philosophy of playing fast. And I think about Mike Leach and playing fast. And you have these, these coaches on the sideline, Frost being one of them that have, you know, like, it looks like they have like bulletin boards in their hands that are laminated, you know, like these gigantic play sheets. And then there's Mike Leach and he's, he's literally holding like, you know, a little pamphlet and that that's his whole entire playbook. Yeah. He knows how to make it simple, make it fast, make it simple, whatever we do. It, let's make it simple. And I think if we want to get a running game going, no matter what, and to circle back to the original question, what are we going to see? We're probably not going to see a quarterback be the lead of our run game, no matter right. what moving forward. It's, and I think we said all off season. Yeah, yeah. All last off we said we didn't want that anyways. We wanted the, the running backs to, to be the guy. And I think that's what we need to see this year. And I, me personally, if we can get some two-back going in the shotgun or or if it's even under center, if we can do some of that, I'd be just as happy with that, even if our run-pass ratio goes in a direction I don't love. If we get some more power, if we get some more two-back in there, um, I think that's possible to do and, and get the quarterback to be more of a traditional style QB. I still want the mobility. I want a guy that can get out of the pocket and elude a rush and all that because I'm not confident that our line is – I don't know right. what Pitt's yeah, offensive line was like.
2: It but could, um, could take him a while,
3: yeah. And, and the one thing we know is we don't have a while, do we? This has to be pretty seamless right away,
2: yeah. Well, you know, Boomer, one thing that stood out to me with Whipple is uh, his red zone offense, I think that's one thing that. I, I think it was Sam McCune wrote how, you know, it was very much a kind of data driven approach to trying to identify the right fit here. And that had to be one thing that stood out to, to Frost and anybody else who was trying to figure out how do we find the right candidates to kind of meld into what we already do well. And that's, and it's one thing they needed to improve on is red zone efficiency. And I think Pittsburgh was very good at that this year, um, at least through the air. So, I mean, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what Whipple does. Um, but for immediate returns, it seems like he needs to have a, a, a piece of clay that he can mold very quickly, <laughs> opposed to giving three years for Kenny Pickett. So, I mean, do you see a transfer portal uh, scenario where we get uh, at least one, if not more, quarterbacks um, through that? that portal?
1: Yeah, I think you have to. I mean, Pitt was the uh, top scoring offense in the ACC this year. You know, I think they averaged like 43 points a game, which, yeah. you know, that's something nice and, you know, that's <clears throat> what we hope to see here. I mean, that that even bested Wake Forest, who we all thought was a possible candidate, you know, for offense here. And yeah, I think you're going to have to try to find uh, a quarterback with a lot of experience, you know, no, no offense to Smothers or anything, but he's just doesn't have a whole lot of you know experience under his belt. And, you know, it's possibly one of the knocks of, you know, what we've been doing, you know, with the team lately, we just haven't had a whole lot of chance for him to develop as a player and get game experience. But like Honky said, you don't have a whole lot of time to try to make this rebuild, you know, 3.0 here or whatever we're on with the staff work. So, (laughs) you know, you're going to have to find somebody who can hopefully, you know, get the terminology and get this new idea and whatever Whipple's bringing in, can they make it work? And maybe you do have to find that guy in the transfer portal, or maybe some others is the guy and he picks it up really well. And it, it does mesh with what his skill set is. But yeah, I think with, with the quarterbacks that are out there, you know, we, you know, we may touch on some of the turmoil that the, all the coaching changes have and what that's led to with roster management and just the players that are out there available in, in the portal right now you've got to take a look at it. I, I don't see how you can't. And especially when you're in frost shoes you probably have one year at best to really show progress, real progress this time and not, you know, close loss progress. I think you have to, so.
3: You know, yeah. we've never, we haven't really had a chance yet. I mean, the season only ended a, a week and a half ago here or two weeks ago, but um you know, we haven't had a real chance to kind of break down that, that season. And, and it's historic in so many ways. I mean, if you're a fan that sits there and goes like, oh, my gosh, we were so close. And at the same token, it feels like we're so far away. It is it is historic on levels never seen before. We've never had nine games lost by any team by single digits. We've never had eight games lost by one score or less. It's never happened. Okay, so Nebraska, you have done something that's that's so unique, right? But at the same token, it's then it gets down to are we that far away? Are we that inch away? Or are the things that are preventing us from getting over that inch, are they huge differences? For instance, the open position right now that we haven't hired yet, is it going to be special teams? Is it going to be a running backs coach? We think we kind of have ideas what what's going to happen, but the reality is this is really important because – I can tell you right now, we're this far away from winning a bunch of games. But if you look at special teams, we're not this far away. We are miles away, right? We've been horrible in special Sure teams. feels that way. Yeah. Sure, yeah, right. I mean, red zone conversions and, and ending possessions with points. You know, there are parts of the game where we have not been that far away. And I track this eight different ways that we have given up points this last season in non-conventional ways where the teams didn't score on our defense. I mean, we've had, of our eight one-score losses, seven of them have had teams score on us in unconventional ways. We've had a kickoff return for a touchdown. We've had a punt return for a touchdown. We've had an interception return for a touchdown. We've had a fumble return for a touchdown. We had a punt block for a touchdown. We've had two safeties sacks in the end zone. We've had an extra point block and return for two points. We've had a a guy catch a ball in the end zone on a punt for no reason, throw it over his head. Okay, we've done everything (laughs) we possibly can, And all those things in these close games, we're so close, those things matter everything as much as as what our run-pass ratio is going to be and what Whipple brings. we got to cut those things out, number one. We can't have a huge uh, drop-off on our defensive side because our defense played well enough to win a lot of those games last year. But we're not talking about the defense right now because there's all these changes on the offensive side. But that defense, which loses Daniels, which loses Stilly, which loses a number of players, it needs to come out there right away also in game one against Northwestern. And – perform at the same level it was doing last year, too. And our special teams, and we'll talk a little roster management here in a bit, there's already some changes with special teams. I mean, there's, there ha- it just has to be better immediately than what it was last year because we were not this far away in some of those areas of the games. That, yeah. I mean, those yeah. are the areas that were the clear deficits. They're the reasons that we lost all those close games where we out-yarded the opponent or where we played Michigan tougher than anybody from the West by far where we played all these, you know, five, 10 win teams. And we, you know, again, every one of them a damn single digit or one score loss. I get it. But at some point you either get over the hump by getting, getting better at those little things, or we're just going to keep losing them like that.
2: Yeah, that's right. Rob. Well,
0: honky, first of all, Dave and I both have two-year-olds. We don't need any more excuses to lose sleep. So thanks. for <laughs> <laughs> But um, I, I, been like I said, I've been looking up, reading articles all day, and and I've been kind of saving this quote just for you, Honky, because um, oh, this boy. is from the uh, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Sports Now website from 2019 when they hired Whipple as the OC over there. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to replace the word pit with Honky every time I read this quote. Oh, okay, okay, I'm going to enjoy this. There's going to be a there's going to be a lot of moments where Honky is going to be angry at Mark Whipple for not running the ball more. He's definitely a pass-heavy head coach. This last season, he was talking about he really needed to find a way to be more balanced on offense. Even after that, he passed the ball a lot and didn't find a way to establish the running game a whole lot. They did run the ball, and they were really effective doing it, but most of the time that happened when they were in the lead.
2: I just
0: just wanted you to, to hear that quote. Um, just because I want to get your take on that as well, because,
3: (laughs) you know, if, you can mask a lot of things with me right now. If you if you get in the huddle every once in a while, line up under center, maybe have a fullback on the field. You could throw it 80 times in a row, and I'll probably at least say, Well, at least we put a fullback out there. I don't know. I mean, like right now, <laughs> we I mean, throw to the fullback. I'm exactly. taking yeah, I'm taking what I can get. I think gone are gonna probably be the days of certainly the, the quarterback being the centric part of the running game, the way that it was under Martinez. That's probably a good thing. Although I am, I'm still a mobile first QB kind of guy. I always will be, but that doesn't mean that. And Dave, we've talked about that a number of times. I don't, that didn't never meant that I wanted Martinez to be a guy getting 25 carries a game. I just like mobile quarterbacks. And I think, I think when you take the good things that Martinez did, I think he was a really hard QB to stop. And when we would move away from that, I mean, it wasn't hard to look at the offense the last year and, and identify the areas that we were good at and the areas that we were bad at. You know, look at the first half of the, the Iowa game. Yeah. You know, that, that Smothers kid who's never started a game before. Well, he's five of five passing at halftime. We're up, Dave, you you and I watched the first, yeah, yeah, you and I watched the game in the first half and uh, you're asking me, he's like, you know, what's, what's going on? You know, what, what are we doing well? Well, how many times do we have two backs in the backfield with them? And then sometimes even a third back, a receiver would, would shift back there. We'd have a diamond, in the backfield, three backs with smothers, and there'd be triple option and everything. And then I read in the paper, you know, the day after the game, how in the second half Iowa got smarter and they they fanned their outside linebackers out. And it was hard to run outside option on them. And I'm like, what the bullshit is that? That you just if, if that's literally what you're saying, if the linebackers are spreading out because of what you've done successfully against them, then you're winning the game. You counter that. Now you go up the gut on them because you spread them out. They come back in. Now you go back outside on them. Hey, they bring some safeties up. You hit them with a tight end over the over the top. I mean, if you're moving defenses because of what you're doing, you're winning the game. But what you don't see is you know in that second half. I mean, my God, we get you want to replace Pitt with Honky. You can just replace Hon- Frost with Honky in those cases. When Frost would go to, you
0: know, Honky didn't <laughs>
3: love seeing us, you know, go we'd go uh, pass happy in games where, where we were already successful running yeah, on him. We, we went pass happy against Purdue when Yance running six times for 60 yards. Purdue can't move the ball on us. We're physically running the ball on them and they don't score any points on us until we throw a pick six. One of those eight different ways that teams scored on us in unconventional ways. So, you know what? Personally, I can be frustrated from a run pass ratio, but I actually need to let that go because what's more important than my ego of us running a certain style that I want to see, what's more important is that we're successful doing whatever the hell we're going to do. And if Whipple is really good at calling what he calls and for us has more than enough experience in the Big Ten now, he better understand what's going to work and what he doesn't think can work. So, yep, and Dave, sure. to your point in the West, I mean, he better understand the West. Between that and you, you bring in what Mickey Joseph is going to bring in, and the experience there, and the, the pass game coordinating there, and everything, they just they've got to make it work. Whatever they're going to choose to do, they got to make it work. I think it's probably going to be an offense that's going to be easier for them to recruit some some players, some skill guys, some receivers too. Then uh, sure. you know, obviously, if we came out here, it, <laughs> I was in favor of maybe getting the Army OC, but. Even I had a question that about time. that triple option. <laughs> I I was loving the idea, of it, but, but then I'm like, yeah, I mean, gosh, every wide receiver we have is going to be gone in a year because we're, you know, who's going to want to stick around and do that either. So I don't know. That was a lot of rambling just to say, I just hope they make it work. Do you think we know <laughs> what we want to do on offense right now? I think Frost knows what they didn't do well last year. And I think he'd like to get better at it. Now, Again, this is where I have to throw my little ego into the side. I, I hate every time I'd see us go five wide and and we wouldn't have anybody back, or maybe we'd have a six man protection, but the pocket would break down. I just I hate watching that. I just think it's lousy football. You're see I, a lot of it. I think we're going to see a lot of it, and I think Frost looked at it and goes, "We're not doing that well, and how can we get better at that?" I think he's bringing in guys that can help us probably get better at doing those things, and maybe mm. if we do those things better, maybe I'll think differently about how it looks. I I, I don't know. I. Right now, it looked terrible every time we do it last year. I got to the point where I said it after the Illinois game, I mean, right away in the season. I'm like, we have a playbook, and you could take two-thirds of it
1: and just rip it out and never call it again. Anything that is Isn't was- that what Frost said, though? I mean, you have to throw out
0: two-thirds of the playbook because they came out in an <laughs> even front or whatever it was. Half half. So, theoretically, I mean, yeah. It was well, a weird front, all right? That's- yeah,
3: it was a – Four man front. I had never seen anything like that before. We've we practiced against two and three and five, but never four. It was unbelievable. Um, that's,
0: that's the road trip that will never go away, isn't it? Rocky? We
3: we like, lost our we lost our red Mac will never be back because of that that uh, road
0: trip. There. I I, I get blame it, but... I blame Cam Taylor Rip for stepping in the end zone like. <laughs> It was that that moment like <laughs> killed the fourth member of the Red Cast, and I should say thank you for. But at this point, like I should be mad because I have to be on the show now. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: can, We don't blame you.
0: you know, yeah. and look, and look, fans are gonna
3: fans get frustrated, and and we try to play a uh, on Twitter and stuff. We try to play a, a somewhat reasonable role, and if I could make a very general statement, fans right now, I, I saw a lot of today of Whipple's too old, and and Raola's too young, and it's like there's just you can't. Frost couldn't do anything to make everyone happy here. It's just nope. not going to happen. I think that he identified people that he wanted to go after. He went after him and I think he hired the people that he genuinely wanted. I mean, he he went after the Notre Dame offensive line coach and still went after Rayola. So he could have probably gotten the guy who was older, had more experience at the spot and still chose Former Rayola. Coach. Yep. yep. And he could have gone after different styles of OCs. He could have gone after an army guy and he, he ends up bringing in Whipple. And, as long as he's getting what he's looking for, you know, who knows if we have a, the kind of weather we had this year, I I don't think we had a single bad weather game the entire year. Yeah. If we have that every single season, I mean, you know, throw it 40 times a game, I guess, but all right. Global warming. (laughs) I just know (laughs) we're going to, we're going to hit a game though, where it's going to be 20 degrees out there. There's going to be times where it's fourth and one and we, you're never going to win in this league. If you can't get that one yard when you need to and, and do it, from a physical standpoint.
2: That's my basic question. I think in this is that I I think Whipple is going to bring some good ideas. Again, I want to focus on that red zone success because I think that's the biggest issue we had. Mm -hmm. Um, I am also intrigued on what Mickey Joseph can bring in from a passing game coordinator standpoint on like maybe some, some route concepts that were very successful when Joe Burrow and, and those guys were um, racking up the yards at LSU. And I, I think that could be a really dynamic, um, passing game offense, if we get the right, um, you know, trigger man. Right. I mean, if there's someone mm-hmm. who's already got power five experience um, a year plus, um, you know, and, and some, some proven uh, talent there that Whipple could potentially uh, sell on, Hey, I can have you, you know um, just like Kenny Pickett uh, in New York city in, in the next year or two uh, that could, that could be really good. I don't know if that ultimately results on a lot of wins if we don't have the ability to run the football when we want to run the football, right? Because we've been able to run the football under Scott Frost, but often it's only, you know, when it's, it's convenient and, you know, not in the crunch, the crunch time. Right. Um, ultimately when we're, we're down or it's uh, getting late, it, he turns to um, a passing game and um, we were not very effective running we're the ball, redstone at, at all. Yeah. And so it's like it, I how, how do we become more effective running the ball in the red zone and in the fourth quarter and that's my big question is like how does yeah. that happen
3: I look at those last two games and how often But I, I'd love to see actually run pass ratios of the fourth quarter against Wisconsin and Iowa, and it's not that we were wildly successful just running all over the Badgers or running all over the Hoosier yeah. or the Hawkeyes, mm-hmm. but but we had some success running the football about 100 we just, yards
2: against Iowa in the first half. Yeah, we stopped calling it.
3: But yeah. think of that at the very end of the Wisconsin game, going you know, when we had the first and 10 and everything. I mean, just the play calling of what we ended up doing at the very end, move, move down the field all the way down there and everything. And man, we would just settle. We settled into into a pocket, and we I man, we were just throwing you know balls up in the air to people. I mean, not, nothing looked like it was going to prayer. <laughs> you know, Winging a prayer, right? Meanwhile, it's like well, you should, but you just you optioned, you went down the field, you or we'd have some two backs, but then all of a sudden it just goes away. Anyways, I'm re I'm rehashing an offense that isn't going to be that next year. I mean, obviously the entire staff is pretty much replaced on that side of the ball. Again, the the one position that is open still, technically there's one position open right now and conventional wisdom would say, hey, it's going to be a special teams coordinator or certainly we think it should be Uh, for what it's worth. The last two games, the teams that we played, Iowa and Wisconsin, they have dedicated special teams coordinators for a a. I guess a fun little experiment, my coworker and I, we went through a list of about 10 other schools, everything from Alabama, Clemson, you name it. And how they do it is all across the board. Some teams have a dedicated special teams guy. Some of them, I think Michigan, it's like their safeties coach or tight ends coaches, their special teams guy too. And so there's, it it can be a a mix of things. I don't know exactly how they're going to do it. Right now, you either have Bill Bush probably becoming the special teams coach. Does Ron Brown, who's been out there on the, the recruiting trail as well. So is Bush, but does Ron Brown become a running backs coach? Does uh, Sean Beckton switch from tight ends coach to running backs coach? We're going to have a running backs coach next year. I can I promise you that. Would so, Frost be the running backs. Does coach? Frost become that? You know, does another coaching position open up? And I, I mean, I'm not trying to get rid of a coach, I'm saying, you know, we have like two linebackers coaches. Do they if identify all say,
2: combinations, right? Yeah, yeah. You're
3: looking at all combinations. Should, do, should we have one linebackers coach? And that opens up another one. And now we do hire Bush and Brown, you know, I don't know if we're just on paper trying to write down, well, you know, we have a pass game coordinator and, and, a, a obviously a, you know, a pass happy offensive coordinator now and, and all this, how do we get a, how do we get that physical approach? I would say, get Ron Brown in there and, He's about as physical of a running backs or wide receivers or tight ends. I mean, he's coached them all and he coaches them pretty physical, right? So uh, whatever the route is, the, obviously this staff is not done yet, no matter what. they right. A lot of announcements right. have been made, but it's not done. And I don't know if we're going to know if it's done for another couple of weeks. There's always going to be right at the end of the season. There's always a little bit of change that goes on in January. And we might experience some of that too. I, I have no idea.
2: Yep, that's right. Well, let's uh, move uh, forward a little bit with maybe some roster management, talking about some of the guys that are have announced that they are leaving. Um, and, you know, maybe we are, are now on the recruiting trail, both for high school players, JUCO, and obviously uh, the transfer portal is a whole new world. So, Honky, maybe you could just run through our departures first.
3: Yeah, so we've been talking a lot about quarterback, and, we should because our four-year starting quarterback and three-time captain uh, and leading yardage guy, I think, in program history, Adrian Martinez uh, has officially entered into the transfer portal. Don't know exactly where he's going to go yet. There's been talk of Kansas State. I've heard that he took a trip out to Cal. Uh, but wherever he ends up, we, we wish him well. He, he was a, always a great ambassador for the program. Unfortunately, just didn't never quite had the victories that you know came with all the, the yardage and, and other success. I think that he had, but Adrian's moved on. Also, uh, guys have moved on in the transfer portal: Fidarius Payne, Marvin Scott, Sevian Morrison a couple weeks ago, uh, and then Damian Daniels has made the move into the NFL. Cam Jurgens, all signs seem to point to it. Now I tweeted out uh, a tweet today, and it was just simply uh, it was uh, Donovan Rayola. And then handshake emoji, Cam Juergens. Cam Juergens, handshake emoji, Donovan. Yeah, (laughs) that's nice. I like that one.
0: (laughs) Immediately.
3: I mean, we got a lot of, you know, feedback on it. But then we get people going, well, you know, Juergens is gone. He's gone. You know Juergens is gone. And he very well could be. He could be, right? All I'm saying is just shake hands, right? I mean, who knows? I'm not – Saying you have to make I mean, any commitments today, just you get can to at know least get, get lunch back
2: or breakfast or something. Yeah, so you can get feedback from Donovan Raiola on you know, I mean, what his tape looks like as a a, a four year assistant offensive line coach. He probably has an opinion on what his draft stock would be. So, absolutely, if anything, at least better you know get that as a, a sounding board, right?
3: I mean, look, I'm I'm a Husker I'd fan. Love, that would love I would love to have him back. Why? Because I feel like we've developed the guy over the course of the last three years. To get to this point where he's really good and I'd like to see him come back for one more season. I also think that, you know, between Linderbaum or whatever his name is at Iowa, him going pro, which he will, um, that opens up. We want guys going pro. We've said that for a number of years now. It's important for us to get guys into the NFL. And we will. I think Damian Daniels will get in there. I think, you know, we have a number of guys that are going to be leaving this year, Austin Allen. We're going to have some guys in the draft, and that's great. We also need a guy like Jurgens who can come back, have some off season buildup. You know, he can come right. in and be a preseason all conference guy, first team. He can be on those, you know, in the magazines come June right. and be talked about highly and be on the preseason Remington and Outland lists and all those things that come with it, and then actually perform next year at that level. We get to bowl games. He, you know, he ends up winning awards, and next year. We're not talking about him being a third to fifth round pick. We're talking about him being a first day pick. That's what I guess if I'm Donovan Rayola, if I can get that one chance to have a handshake emoji with him, that would be my pitch there is I can help you get to that point. Not that you can't get there already. There's a there's a shot that he could be a, a top 100 pick right now. And, and Rob, I think you were saying that before we started recording that, you know, that some of the, the feedback is that he might be a top three center. And if he can be a top three center, go. And And he might be but there's also value in coming back. I, I, I'm rambling, but I can remember the same thing with Sue after the 2008 season, he was going to be probably sure. a late first round pick. It would have made all the sense in the world to go. And yet if you can come back, if you can really have that dominant season, if you can be on award list and all that, you can move yourself up and, and sure as shit, he did everything that he was supposed to and ends up being the number two pick in the draft. So all I'm getting at is, Juergens, if you're listening, you can be the number two pick in the draft if you come back next season.
2: <laughs> Hockeys concluded that you'll be the number two pick in the 2023 draft. I, All right. It's just – it's it's science. It's, it's science. science. Uh, yeah, Rob, did you want to add something on that? Yeah,
0: I was just going to say, Dave, I found that article because you and I were discussing this before the show a little bit. And it's actually uh, – the article I was reading is from – I think it's called the Beatrice Sun Sentinel, which is from Juergens' hometown. So yeah. if you want the inside sources, you uh, get the Beatrice, Rob. You have to call Beatrice. it Beatrice. It's Beatrice. 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 I'm sorry. Right, yeah. Close Beatrice. enough. Yeah. Okay. The Daily Sun. Anyway, but they were the ones <laughs> saying that he's projected to be a third, fourth, or fifth round pick, right? So um, Beatrice.
2: Jesus. That's... Um. <laughs> Everybody knows it's Beatrice, Rob.
0: Well, not everybody because I am from out of state oh, here. Well, Man, well, let's let's be clear. Remember too, is my perspective is comes from out of the state of Nebraska, which makes I it know, which Rob, makes it I'm so unique. You know, your- and you like to remind me of that a lot. Dave, <laughs> I know. Um, but so fun fun fact: uh, Ryola's brother Dominic was the initial winner of the um, Remington Trophy at you know which is for the top center in the country right yes. yeah. we know that you know yes. we all know this <laughs> we, all, we all we all know this because you guys are from nebraska right of course, but yeah. um but and my point is, last is name that, and and now, outside Beatrice. well now yeah. that they hired his brother um and i and i think about him more i feel like there's more of an opportunity i think that he will come back because they also are saying that if he does come back and works under an offensive line coach um given that he is only technically a fourth year sophomore, which sounds really funny to say um, that his put, that he has potential for coming back as a first or second round pick next year. So um, that's something that he hopefully is thinking about now that he knows who his coach is going to be. That could be a big factor because um, Juergens is a guy that Frost wants to build his line around. So hopefully they're recruiting internally as well, right? Like you want to recruit the kids to come back. Right. So hopefully that is the case at this point.
2: Yeah. I mean, well, hockey, I was just wa- going to ask the question, I guess, you know, this is just very uh, hypothetical, but I guess, uh, do you feel like Donovan Rayola? it's almost a, a little bit of a two for one? Because, I mean, I, I thought there were some rumors of like, wow, they would actually could have Dominic Rayola be the coach. This was a long time ago because he Mm -hmm. was starting to show up, you know, when his son was actually at camps and, you know, he really, really likes hanging around the coaching staff. He he enjoys that. He might be doing some of that down in Texas at the high school levels. And, you know, obviously his brother, you know, more experienced than that. Um, But could you see uh, Dominic, you know, spending a lot more time um, up in Nebraska just, as an alumni and former player, just hanging out with his brother and, you
3: know. I mean, absolutely, you can, uh, especially over the offseason. We saw it last year on the defensive side, for what it's worth, with Jay Foreman and Jason Peter, guys that were, they wanted to get involved and just from a black shirt standpoint. And, you know, I guess if you want to jump to a crazy conclusion, I think the defense played pretty well last year. I don't know how much you can tie to Foreman and Peter, you know, giving them some, some lessons or whatever, but, I mean, it, It doesn't hurt. Dominic, I know, was at least talked to the team during one of the games this year. I don't know if it was Ohio State or one of them. He was he came up here, I think it was when his son took a trip up here, actually, for a a visit. And Dominic had a chance to talk to the O-line just for a little bit and, you know, give him a little pump-up speech or whatever. I think he would absolutely love to do that. And so over the course of an offseason, you know, if he wanted to be a part of it, I mean, whatever – whatever his brother wanted to let him do. I mean, let him do. It.
2: Well, anyway, yeah, I just think it's intriguing, you know, not only is, you know, there's obviously the recruiting advantage potentially, which is should be the last thing you're doing uh, the hiring an offensive line coach. But I think having, you know, maybe um, a little bonus there of actually um, having Dominic uh, involved in some way, um, because I think the, one of the biggest attributes that Donovan Ray brings is like this kind of like, you know, nasty attitude, all this type of stuff. Right. And then he also did his GA work at Notre Dame under mm. that uh, fighting Irish um, line uh, line coach. Um, I forget his name, Boomer, but he's, you know, kind of highly regarded as one of the great like technicians, from a, uh, a O-line coach standpoint. So, I mean, it's kind of intriguing. Another, another one on this, before we go to uh, the other coaches, home. do you think if, if this is successful and we get past year one, which is really the big F and Donovan Ryle is here for um, a while. He also has that Wisconsin connection. Do you see him maybe being a, a successful kind of big 10 offensive line recruiter in the kind of Wisconsin and Chicago areas where you know, if he can get someone who's maybe a little bit, um, uh, uh, lightly regarded and he gets three or four or five years and takes that Wisconsin model and allows those guys to develop a long time, which I think is essentially the Nebraska model that we used to do. Um, he could be really successful as a, as a coach here.
3: Well, sure. I, I don't think it would hurt. And, you know, he's made a name for himself up in Madison for, you know, three, four years playing up there. So, I absolutely think he can. I also think he, along with Toyote, can play a role out in Hawaii. And we already Good saw point. that a year ago with, with Hului getting the number one, you know, recruit out of that state. And there's gonna be players, you know, if we can build a little pipeline the way we did back in the day of Finotti and Dominic, you know, right. we had yeah. three, four guys back then. Uh, sure, you know, I mean, there's that that is one thing about this whole staff that when they came from UCF, it seemed like we were a little bit of a one-trick pony getting Southeast kids, right? I mean, we're go- we are we were successful down in Georgia and Florida, bringing a bunch of guys up here, but the staff maybe wasn't as well-rounded. And now you go and you bring in Whipple and he brings you some East coast stuff. Now you bring in uh, Joseph and he's, you know, well regarded down in Louisiana and Mississippi and, and some of our roster management, we just brought in uh, Mississippi defensive back Malcolm Hartzog and he was like their Gatorade player of the year down there. So, that can bring you some some areas that we haven't been hitting as well or just don't have as much experience in. So, Frost has a chance to kind of remake the staff a little bit here and and bring in guys that have different connections than what we had before.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about Mickey Joseph a little bit in relation to some of our roster management then, Hawk. You mentioned Herzog, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, we have seen uh, Mickey and some of the other coaches uh, going after some of the – LSU decommits or even potential transfer players mm-hmm. um, including um, running back in the country a top 100 recruit so um, good just to get into that door But there's also a, a wide receiver like the coldest forester or something I can't remember his last name it was one of the great great first names I've heard in quite a while
3: yeah and if you've been on Twitter for the last 24 hours that has already become the oldest joke like right away I I, <laughs> I said something Frost, like the oh, coldest the coldest will fit in great in the hashtag San Diego of the big 10, you know, why not, you know, come to Lincoln, but uh, no, there's no doubt. There's going to be changes. There's quarterbacks that are transferring from there. They are going through their transition and some of that's hit, hitting their uh, recruiting class too. And having Joseph on staff and even bill Bush for what it's worth too. I mean, he was just sure. at LSU two years ago. Uh, there's mm-hmm. opportunities for Nebraska to try to take advantage of that. And why not? Uh, this is a weird off season. There's a lot of coaching changes, the carousel of Ball going from Oregon to Miami, obviously Kelly from Notre Dame to LSU is, is disruptive. Riley going from o- Oklahoma to USC, all this disruption and it leaves, there's vacuums and there's voids in, in recruiting classes now where, you know, teams thought that they had a really solid class and then all of a sudden now it's, it's blowing up and new coaches right. are having to come in and fix it. Or in our case, you know, for the last six months, we've been talking about, well, we're going to just cap our class at 10. That's all we can do. And well, now all of a sudden <laughs> Mickey Joseph comes here and now it's like, well, we can get 38 guys. And I have no, I, I, I couldn't even begin to tell you what our numbers are anymore. I can, I can tell you who's left and I can tell you, you know, who we've brought in, but I, right now, I, I just know if we, if there's a good player out there, we're going to go after him.
2: It'll all work out.
3: <laughs> It'll work out. It'll all work out. We also have brought in California defensive lineman Brody Tag- Tagaloa and then this is where the special teams come in. And all of these guys are preferred walk ons, these three I'm going to mention. So they don't, they wouldn't go against any of our numbers. But Spencer Pancritz is a, a place kicker from Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Uh, Charlie Reinweich is a, another kicker from the Kansas City area. And then uh, Brady Weiss, uh, WAS, he's a long snapper. He has one year left and he is a transfer from the powerhouse uh, football program at Georgetown. So, uh, you know, long snappers and kickers. I mean, specialists, Frost said that three or four weeks ago, how, you know, if we could just be better with our specialists, I won't disagree. We need to be better with our specialists. But, uh, you know, special teams as a whole, we just – we're not this far away. We're a long ways away, you know, based off last season. And and the the way to fix it is through whatever the coaching changes they make and then bring in some guys that are going to make that difference.
2: Yeah, competition, obviously. but. Yeah, that's a big question, Mark Boomer. I mean, do you think from a special teams perspective, is it purely like, this has always been really interesting, this whole like specialists versus special teams. Is it is it accurate to say that a special teams coach has little to no impact on the ability of a field goal kicker or punter? Don't they have techniques that they, they should be able to help um, teach? I mean, because there's these specialty, um, you know, pun and, and kick uh, camps and all those other stuff so can our special teams coach or whoever that would be have um some some coaching acumen on how to help a specialist be more consistent well you would think so i mean for all we've heard about how quarterback coaches
1: have a big role in how our quarterbacks yes. develop you would think our special teams coaches would have a big role in how our specialists quote-unquote develop and then it's not just the specialists themselves you know one particular kicker punter but when we look back at like the Iowa game where the, the punt block where everyone talks about how just everybody was completely on a weird page, whether the shield knew who was punting and whether it was left footed or right footed kicker,
0: mm-hmm. that's what
1: a special teams coach or whoever's in charge yes. of that should have ironed out. That's the kind of stuff that needs to be dealt with. I mean, it's not, that's not a specialists thing. Yeah. that's Everybody on that special team that is out there has to know who's kicking, where the shield is, where should I be looking? Where is the potential, you know, punt block coming from? Who am I responsible for? Right. So, boomer, that's you mean we figured out?
3: So yeah. you're saying, like in East Lansing, when the only eleven people in the stadium
1: that didn't know where the ball was going on that punt were our kick, yeah. was our yeah, punt team. <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> that's a small problem. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's not a specialist problem. That's <laughs> yeah. That's that's a special teams problem, and we should probably figure that out one way or another. Yeah. Whatever it but, is. Yeah. yeah.
3: You know, yeah. I, Iowa plays Wisconsin. And uh, the, the kickoff, the opening kickoff, Wisconsin kicked it to Iowa and they returned it to like the 44 yard line. And I just jokingly sent a tweet out saying, Oh my God, I bet that was more than all of our, you know, kickoff return yardage combined so far. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was like double, <laughs> it was double all of our yardage. That was like week 10, you know, yeah. like that's to your point, boomer. And cause, cause Frost made that statement after the, the purge of the coaches, when we got rid of four coaches, and then there was some talk about special teams and stuff, but that it, you're not dealing with it four weeks ago. That wasn't the time for it. But Frost came out and said, um, you know, it's it's kind of been a specialist issue. And I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah, I mean, I know we don't we a- don't return punts, we don't return kicks. Even something as simple as nothing. Michigan State doesn't return that punt against us if they don't have a second guy back. They had a second guy back. Well, I yeah. we've we've said that on this show a number of times. What if you what if we tried to have two guys back every once in a while just. Throw it out there. You know, have an option. How about a year ago when multiple times the Illinois or the, the Rutgers punter just ran it for a first down on us? You could time it yeah. on, a, on a calendar. Yep. Well, Dave, you and I go to the Ohio State game, and Ohio State almost did that to us. They almost did that. Their punter yeah. almost took off and just ran. Like, I, I was – and we were sitting right behind that end zone. And, I mean, I kind of looked at you and was like, oh, boy. that he If he wanted to go, I think he could have and it was just the mm-hmm. idea that you can't like that can't happen kid right i mean there's no way yeah. that we would allow that again but yeah. there we are in the second half of the illinois or the iowa game and we're on a oh on twitter we're on this one chat you know dm chat with a bunch of people and that are national people and like it was it was just funny because we're up 15 points at the time and i think one of the things one of the things was that we wrote was like, well, I think we have a 98% chance of of, of not winning this game still. We're up 15. <laughs> and then what way will Nebraska blow this up? And it's like, oh, I'm sure we'll find a new way that we haven't done it yet, right? And we did. We found a new way. We had not had a punt blocked all year. Yeah. You know, we talked about this boomer an offseason or two ago about Urban Meyer and how how what a role he would play in special teams and how he's read a book that – influenced him from very early on where it said, if you w- block a punt, you're going to win nine out of ten games. He goes, I can't think of another stat in football that is so definitive that nine out of ten times something happens if you if you do this. But if you block a punt, you're going to win nine out of ten times. And, well, yeah, Iowa just proved that to us one more time there.
2: I mean, how would you like it if Frost ends up being the special teams coordinator? I wouldn't mind
3: that at all. I really wouldn't. Um I, I would like Bill Bush on staff. I mean I wanted him last year. Yeah, you could have, staff. Have,
2: have Bush as your analyst and Frost actually takes that responsibility on. I don't know. I'm just trying to be creative on sure. allocating these 10 spots, right? I, well, and
3: it's a good be,
0: opportunity to meet some of the kids on the team he hasn't met yet. It's
3: so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Frost has to be good at it too. You know, that's sure. that's the thing with sure. like Urban Meyer. I don't know if it's for me to say that, you know, it's past frost by that. He, that this has to be something you had more of an interest in earlier level, but it certainly seems like urban Meyer came up in football where special teams was, it was, that was his thing from, that was his deal from the the first day he was coaching. Now at the same token, somebody could hear me say that and go, well, geez, frost, that's all he did in in the NFL. That was his token to, to a paycheck was playing special teams. So maybe frost would be perfect for it too. I, I don't know. he, Something has to give at some point here. We know that yep. he's giving – if we're going to be successful with Whipple at OC, we can't have what happened against Illinois, which is we can't be two plays into it and go, oh, God, they hit us with a four-man front. Um, give me the headset. I'm back on it. I'm calling plays. That, that I mean, after an entire offseason of, you know, hey, it's going to be Lubick and I kind of – in the, no, no, no. The second that any adversity hit, he just took it over. That's, yep. that's what you hired with Whipple here. You hired a guy that's been doing this for 40 years, that's seen it all. there, Nobody should be able to throw anything at us that that they haven't at least gone through the scenarios and talked about. Frost will be very involved all game plan week leading up to it. They'll, they'll be on the same page with everything, but once you get to the game, let Whipple do his job, and that should allow Frost to do more things, and maybe special teams could be one of those.
1: Does it worry you at all that – We're in a scenario where Frost is coaching for, I mean, realistically for his job this year and that it's going to be really hard to not do that in a game. Yeah,
3: everything worries me right now, Boomer. I mean, Paul Chris last year
1: wasn't coaching for his job.
3: Paul Chris did exactly what you just said. They were four games into it. They were one and three, but they had lost to Penn State, Notre Dame and and Michigan. Not exactly you know, you shouldn't be in crisis mode or anything, but Paul Chris saw enough to say, no, I'm going to, I'm taking over the reins again. I, so I don't know what the answer there is. I mean, everything worries you right now when you're at a point where it's kind of a, a one and done thing. Now, I guess without painting such a negative picture, I would also say, look at what we just went through. This was historic again, how many close games and all that. Look at what we played. We played five teams at the end of the season with 10 or more wins, played in a couple more teams that, that had eight or more wins. I mean, just, the schedule itself, granted, one of the reasons that all the teams that we play have, have so many wins is they played us. And that adds one to every one of them, right? But but at the end of the day, I mean, it is about getting better at these things. Control the things you can control. Get better at those things, the special teams, red zone offense. If you're going to throw the ball and that's going to be your offense and stick to that. I What I didn't like about our offense last year was how, hey, we'd find something that works and then we'd, we'd switch away from it. Let's get an offense – Par it down. Run what we're going to run. Aerate it the way that Graham Harrell talked about it. We're going to be simple. It's not about throwing the ball hundred yeah, times. Yeah, it's yeah, about yeah. we're going to be simple. Find things that work, and if it, if we find something that works, stick with it. Go with yeah. it.
2: Now, I, I have heard that. I mean, the Whipple's kind of like his his philosophy there is simplified, right, from a play mm-hmm. calling standpoint. So, I mean, that would be a, a big change. So, mm-hmm. all right, guys. Uh, anything else we else we want to want to cover here this evening?
3: Well, I mean, we haven't even talked about basketball. Uh, nope, 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 nope.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. I like I said, it. Amy
1: Williams says the women playing great. That's, yep. that's all I got to say. Yeah. All right. That's
2: right. That's true. Well, that's two one of the parting shots. Okay. All right. Well, let's head to those parting shots. Um, hockey, or can you start us off? Yeah. Women's basketball has been dominating,
3: uh, and yet they're not ranked in the top 25. It's ridiculous. They're number one in scoring margin. Now these stats are going into the prior to the uh, victory at Minnesota a couple of nights ago, but so I don't know if they're still number one, or if they moved to number two or th- number three, but point is they're damn good. Uh, number one, defensive rebound a game. Number two in defensive uh, field goal percentage. Number three in rebounds and three point percentage. Number four in field goal percentage. Number five in points a game and number six and assists a game. Uh, they're currently rated fourth in the RPI, like you said earlier, Dave. Rank this damn team. My goodness. That is a team that uh you know, Sam High too. I mean, we there's somebody that you know, she took over a game at the end in crunch time, and that's exactly you know what great teams need, and and no matter what the sport is. So uh, I will enjoy watching watching them. Two other things, uh Adrian, I mentioned earlier him leaving and and again, I just want to say, I, I respect the kid so much. He he went through a lot here. He, we never got the wins that we wanted to get out of him. But I'll tell you what, I think the kid handled things with class. Uh, his dad sent me a thing a couple of weeks ago. He saw a photo I had of, of Alex and he was like, oh man, you know, can I send you some 2 a.m. decals in the mail? And they did. And Alex took some photos with him and everything. It's just really cool. A, a great family. And at the very least, I just... I want to thank him for just being a class act for the four years that he was here. And he graduated, he's an alum of Nebraska. So, uh, you know, Adrian, you're going to be a success no matter what you end up doing on and off the field. And last but not least, uh, just to get well soon to Johnny Rogers, uh, Johnny, the jet, the former Husker Heisman, he's not going to be able to be at the Heisman this uh, weekend because he, uh, he had COVID he was in the hospital. Uh, It's not going to be the same watching the Heisman and not seeing Johnny on the stage behind there, but um, anyways, uh, Red Cast, we're sending all of our our prayers and good thoughts to you there to get over this uh, as
2: uh, quick as possible and get back to to full speed. Excellent, very good points there, Hawk. All right, let's go to Rob.
0: Um, yeah, I just want to give a shout out um, to Cam Taylor, Britt, and Austin Allen, uh, each of them more, uh, earning first team All Big Ten honors, and uh, also to Jojo Doman who got second team All Big Ten honors. Um, which Doman, if he had actually finished the season and, and not been injured, I feel like he probably would have been first team on there. I mean, 72 tackles, nine, something like nine sacks, two interceptions. You, you don't see that from a guy in his position all that often, um, you know, even with the interception. So, um, you know, with all the, the things on the on the field that we have to complain about um, Husker fans, we should be uh, grateful to, to have these guys uh, who are going to be very successful at the next level, in my opinion, um, you know, coming off and, and, and earning those things for themselves. So um, good job to those guys. Um, if I don't talk to any of the other red casters here uh, in, within the next year or so in the next couple of weeks, I want to wish everyone a happy holidays and a good new year. And um, you know, if, if we can pull together with some Husker basketball, hopefully I'll be back. So. you
2: know. <laughs> I have something to talk about. That's right, Rob. All right, Boomer, get us out of here.
1: Uh, well, first off, I'm just kind of surprised there's no uh, bet cast. I mean, we still have Army Navy 80 yet this week with Army minus seven. Anyone have any predictions on that with some of the best alternate uniforms of any uh, game in the season? I mean, anyone have a
2: prediction there? I think it's up to minus eight, um, Ooh, which I don't like right. going over that key number, but I would probably still take Army. Uh, I'd say I mean. that they – I'm, I'm going to say that combine
0: those two teams run the ball more than the Huskers will run it next year.
2: <laughs> you might be right, yeah. Honky, you have yeah. a, you
3: have a I, prediction on that? I was going to do an over under on how many passes, and I was going to say
2: three combined. You so. might be,
1: you might be all right on that.
3: Yeah, that, it's about that's what the a, Patriots
2: did on Mondays. So. Yep. Yeah, it's about it. Yep. And, so, and they no. won
1: it. They won it. They did. That was a run the damn ball guy game, if I've ever seen one. In I mean, the they Indian threw NFL the was,
0: game back yep. to the nineteen forties faster yeah. than I've ever seen an NFL game it was. Them, so. Welcome yep. to
1: the Big Ten West. Yeah, yep so, But now I, I think everyone kind of covered. Everything I needed, that's why I'm glad to have Honky back on. He can handle about 12 uh you know hot takes at the end of the game, and we're we're good here. So that's I can right. handle a lot listening.
3: of things except for Husker Athletics right after the games get done. But we always always seem to have these things scheduled almost right after a game. I'm like,
1: nope. <laughs> nope. I had right to have a little step back and you know, kind of decompress a little. It's good for everybody. You guys right. see
3: my text. There's there's it wouldn't be I, I know yeah, people we're, probably we're, like we're to hear show phone. here. Yeah, yeah we, I mean, we don't, don't Hunky, need this. Yeah.
0: Hunky, yeah. you're losing your you're you're losing it. Thirty seconds into the game, I mean, yeah. uh, they, a guy <laughs> they, is... they, they they go they go like three for three for three from the field. The first shot they miss, and you're having a meltdown in the text thread. So you know, yeah. <laughs>
1: well, it's, but like, in fairness, we know how it's going to end, Rob. So, yeah, so yeah, I can see the future, not, Rob. Yeah. That's the
3: that's he, the he sees
0: one of your famous graphs, Boomer. Yeah, there's plenty of those. Yeah, so but. That's but hey,
3: think. next year's a new year, guys. <laughs> we just got to get through the Auburn and K State and whoever else we play this month. Still. Yeah, then we're and, back uh, in the Big
2: Ten schedule. So, what can go wrong? So, next year is always a new year, hockey. I, I don't know if I need to break the, that to you, but on the bright <laughs> yeah. side, it can't get any worse.
1: Oh, it can always get worse, Rob. So, it's oh,
0: Nebraska geez. ball at its finest. Yeah. yeah. Playberg's like challenge accepted
2: all right guys well um it was a good conversation hopefully the Redcasters casters uh, picked up a few good tidbits on the uh coaches and and roster management uh for now let's call that a go big red cast go big red come back cam